The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is the Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnick and Michael Barr. Welcome to the show. We're so glad you joined us. Each week, we speak to the most powerful people in the world of sports. This week, he made his fortune as a venture capitalist for Kleiner Perkins. He also owns one of the most successful sports franchises in the world. He is Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. Uh, we do appreciate it. And I'm interested in something you said about the world of venture capital, VC, before we get to NBA. It's 24 7, 365. Does that apply to professional sports as well? Maybe more so than technology. <laughs> really? How so? Uh, and you get these oh, people yeah. to commit like this? You know, it is just a, it's a job that um, if you want to do it right, uh, which, of course, I like to do everything right and be fully engaged. It just takes everything. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the media, unlike most businesses, is all over sports on a minute-by-minute basis. And I've actually had occasions where I was driving to the airport and I heard that I was driving to the airport. <laughs> so uh, it's, Yeah, Joe it's just passed really, exit nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, it is something that you have to be engaged in all the time. We are very, very committed to what we're doing, our our. Our, that's our, our culture and our organization is, is sort of become everything like that. And uh, so it is 24-7, 365. It's all the time. Is it true that culture comes from the top, that you have got to establish that culture? You can't count on anyone else to do it? Well, I don't know that you can't, but in our case, certainly, uh, I believe that it has a very big impact. And uh, from the first day I got there, and I remember I had been in venture capital for you know 25 years and been involved in the startup uh, of a lot of companies. And so I'd seen a lot of this. And uh, I do believe that the leader of an organization really has to establish a culture by the way he or she acts and what they do uh, every single day. Today, compared to what it used to be, very different. And it's something you said that was totally impressive. You grew up, by the way, in New Bedford, Massachusetts, if I'm correct. And you said that you were a very poor kid. You had nothing and paid every dime of my education through college. That's a lesson that a lot of people can learn. Well, I'm not the only one that has been in that situation, certainly. But, uh, yeah, I do think it helps you uh, to be successful when you have no alternative, when you feel as though you've you, you got to do it, you've got to get it done. And I've you know, been very uh, involved in my own self-creation and self-success uh, uh, all the way, every step of the way. I think other people have as well. Uh, the hardest part, of course, is when, you know, like me, you have kids and you want to give them the same kind of uh, engagement, the same kind of uh, desire to succeed. Uh, when they don't come from that situation, it's hard to uh, tell them to do that. So uh, it has been had a big impact on my life. Gavin Maloof was a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, Joe. And I remember him telling me a story where his father had the beer distributorship in New Mexico. And he said to his kids one day, well, we moved 5,000 cases this this week. And the kids didn't know if that was a lot or a little. They, there was nothing to measure it because they'd never done the job. He made them start out sweeping the factory floor, then drive the trucks, then unload the trucks. 
Is that sort of the thing you're talking about, that you need to know every facet of the business? I think you do. Um, you know, in the case with my kids, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. They come from, obviously, a different background, a little more success than their family, whereas when I was growing up, we didn't really have much. Um, but I don't think you can quite duplicate it, uh, but I, I do think it's important for them to experience that and to have all kinds of jobs. And fortunately, my kids seem to be very uh, motivated and uh, very engaged and, and want to do really, wanna have a lot of great desire to do well. So I do think you have to, to, to see every part of the business. You can't just sort of walk into the top and expect someone to run it as though uh, they had been doing it all their lives or prepared for it. Somebody you mentioned about your kids, and it's very true. Today, kids have so many things. You have video games, and you have cell phones and all of this, and you've got flat-screen TVs. Well, back in the day, if you wanted to have the channel changed, it was basically... Michael, go over there and change the channel. You didn't have a remote control. And I just wondered today, the lesson that you just mentioned about trying to teach your kids about the value of a dollar. It's not an easy thing to do, I think, for a lot of people. Um, you have to start it right from the beginning, I think. And um, So so we're, certainly I've tried to do that. But uh, I do think it's uh, when you do it yourself, you and have gone through it, obviously it's a lot of, anyone who's done it will tell you that uh, you know every step of the way you've had to learn. Look, I was a... Here I am running a sports team, and I, I love every minute of it. It's really fun and all that. It's a lot of work. But the truth is, you know, I also sold peanuts uh, at baseball games for seven years uh, when I was growing up from the age of 14 to give me, Come on, Joe, give me your best yell. If you can take me back, give me your best yell for somebody down the, uh, down the bleachers. <laughs> give, me your, give me your best yell. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Peanuts, 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 peanuts. Come on, come on peanuts, peanuts. I, I would buy. I'll, ta- I'll take some peanuts. Right now. See? <laughs> well, it cost you a few peanuts to buy this franchise. We're chatting with Joe Lacob, the owner of the Golden State Warriors. And Joe, you spent $450 million. Sounds like a lot, but hey, that was way back in the old days. We're talking 2010. Could you have imagined that the franchise valuations would skyrocket the way they have? Well, I did have a sense that uh, sports teams, if you had looked I've been trying to buy one for 10 years. And if you had looked over the history of the prior, you know, it's called 20 years, 25 years, you know, obviously they had been um, on the uptick in terms of valuation, pretty good compounded annual rates for a long time. Um, and that what's happened is that was based on the media, right? Uh, everyone getting these big local TV deals and national TV deals. And, you know, no, no, no question, you don't know how long that's going to continue when you're looking at sports teams. But we did feel that it was still a trend. There are only so many of these things. They're, they're great assets. And from a, at least from an investment standpoint, it's not why I did it necessarily, but uh, from an investment standpoint, I felt it was a pretty good area to invest. Otherwise, I would not have brought some of my friends in to be limited partners. We'll have more with Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob coming up. Next, Joe talked about what it takes to be successful, not just in sports, but business and in life. If you're engaged in a business, you better, you had better be thinking that you are going to try to be ahead of the competition, that you are going to try to hire the very best people, that you are going to try to work harder than everybody else, as you said, 365, 24-7, that you're going to do all those things. That's the only way you get to be successful and that you get to be the best. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. This is the Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnick and Michael Barr. Let's continue our conversation with Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lankup. Uh, Joe, earlier in the program, you talked about the media deals and 
the uncertain future. It's always gone up, 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 and it is the largest revenue source for pro sports. Can you walk me through the landscape of ESPN layoffs while the Amazons, the Googles of the world are getting involved in live sports? Walk me through what you're thinking and what you see as the landscape of media and pro sports. Clearly, you kind of summarized it all right there very well, actually, which is that there are new entities that are getting into this, the media business uh, in a pretty striking way. And these are very big companies with tremendous reach. It's been talked about for a number of years, the Amazons, uh, you know, Googles, Netflix. Uh, these guys are expanding into this business uh, in not so insignificant ways now. And it looks as though the sports landscape is changing quite a bit. Now, you also, uh, while that's going on, you've got all these cord cutters and cord nevers, people who really don't watch TV off their TV, you know, TV on the cable. Uh, and so you look at the two things going on, and you have to make the conclusion, um, and it seems to be playing out, to, uh, to some extent at least so far, that uh, these old way of doing business, the cable companies might be in a little bit of trouble. And the world's changing. It always changes. It never stays the same. And uh, I'm not the expert in this area by any means, uh, but it sure, certainly looks that way. And uh, ESPN, you look at the layoffs, it looks to be related to all the things I'm talking about. And I think it, it could be the formation of a new series of events, a new trend. And I think we as sports team owners need to be aware of that, and we are. And we need to be thinking about how our businesses are going to sustain and grow on a going forward basis. Um, you can't just rely on growth in these media uh, values and media numbers to necessarily propel your franchise. And that's one of the reasons why we struck out on this path of building our own arena uh, and everything that goes around it, being vertically integrated, if you will, and, although at tremendous expense, uh, and, and being a sports and entertainment company think of ourselves more as that more than just a basketball team. Even though I love the basketball and that's what we're here for, it's probably not what we will be known for 10 years from now. We'll probably be that and a lot of other things. And uh, that's why we're investing over a billion dollars in a new, a new center in San Francisco with all kinds of things uh, there in terms of retail and other businesses. Well, that's the thing. It's like you bought the team for $450 million. The team is estimated to be worth $2 billion, and I wonder how far it will go when this new arena is built and completed. I don't know. Can I be honest with you? I don't really look at valuation. Uh, I know that sounds funny, but it's not relevant to me other than it means that we're doing something right, maybe, and other than it gets people excited and allows us maybe, uh, if we can figure out how to monetize that currency, uh, speaking like a business guy here now, um, to do some other things. But other than that, you know, my intention is to never sell. Uh, our partners are a very stable, long-term group that just love what we're doing, and we're, we're trying to build something pretty interesting and creative. Let's talk about that partnership group, because if you're going to get a group of people together, you better be able to work together. But money being equal, what does somebody have to bring to the table these days if they want to impress Joe Lacob, if they want into the club? It's not just enough to write a check, right? Peter Goober brings an entertainment expertise. You have to bring something else. That's what I'm hearing from lots of owners, lots of principal owners. They want expertise in something that perhaps they don't have. Well, the first person I called when we bought the Warriors, we're going to try to bid on the Warriors, was Peter, who I had known for several years and I really liked. And I thought was very, to your point, very complimentary to me. 
he was something different than me in a big way. He was from the entertainment industry, which I saw this going that way. Uh, he, and, uh, and I was really you know, sort of a finance uh, business guy, sports guy, but not really any of those other things. And so from the get-go, we uh, went and looked for some limited partners who were, number one, friends, because we like people that we know, and secondly, I want to share this experience with, and secondly, that could bring something interesting to the party, whether it be a real estate expertise, whether it be, you know, uh, debt in uh, markets. We might we, we need debt someday to build the arena, so what were the debt markets going to do? Um, and we have a bunch of people that are, frankly, world-class in our limited partner group that are experts in those areas, along with being basketball fans and being really interested in what we're doing. We're talking with Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob. And it's something you mentioned uh, two times ago, uh, several times, months ago. You said your team is structured light years in planning. Can you talk about that? Uh-oh. Here we go. The light years <laughs> thing. Before you go into it, wait a minute. Before you answer the question that I didn't know Michael was going to answer, I meant that that. as a compliment. I really did. Did, did, Would you tell me, for people who don't know, in a New York Times magazine article, you said you were light years light years ahead, and perhaps Uh some other owners weren't so happy. Did you catch grief for that? Oh yeah. Um, You know, I really didn't say it. uh, Just to be very clear, I did not say it to in response to a question to the uh, the guy was writing the article. He was following me around to actually my morning basketball game uh, with a bunch of my buddies, right? I play twice a week at 6.30 in the morning, and um, he wanted to go attend. I thought, okay, that's kind of weird, but we'll do that. And, you know, he was there, and we're all having breakfast after, and we're chatting back and forth, and it was sort of a conversational thing. And I said, I think we're light years ahead, you know, in this way and this way. I was talking about the business um, because we come from a different perspective, and perhaps that all these other, uh, many other sports teams, some are really well run. Some maybe are run by people that have had them for 30 years. And just like, you know, you or I, if we own something for 30 years, we might be doing it the same way, right? It's just nature. And I was trying to say that we do things a different way, many different ways. But it obviously got quoted, it got made big into print, and it sounded as though I was talking about we're light years ahead on the basketball court and we're light years ahead in business. And we're the, look, do I think we're better? Yeah, I do. I think I'm really proud of our organization. And I think we're really well run. The numbers bear it out. The championship in five years bears it out and that. But I'm not, it's not like I was really trying to put everybody down. I didn't mean it that way. Well, of course, it, it got taken with good reason, probably, when the New York Times writes something like that. Uh, it got taken a different way, and some people didn't like it. And, and I can understand that. We'll have more with Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob coming up. Next, Joe talks about an owner being involved in the everyday operations of the team. I don't believe at all, not even one bit, uh, this idea that owners should not be involved, that they should stay off to the sidelines and that they should let people do their job. Yes, I let people do their job. I don't meddle. That's different. Um, but you, this idea that an owner should not know what's going on in his business, that should not be involved in every listening and understanding what's going on in the business on a daily basis, I think is wrong. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. How long does it take to get to the forest? That's not far. What are we going to do? Hike? Sure. Are we there yet? Yep. It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. This is the Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnick and Michael Barr. 
Thanks for joining us. We are here each and every week for you to speak to the most powerful people in the world of sports. On this week's show, we've been speaking to Joe Lacob. He's a partner at Kleiner Perkins and owner of one of the most successful sports franchises in the world, the Golden State Warriors. And Joe, we talk about private equity VC owners. Those are the new crop of owners. I hear that across the platform of sports. These are private equity guys, VC guys. They do it differently. Is that just convenient to say or is there really a difference between a VC private equity guy or a real estate guy or the guy who inherited the team from his father? Well, I would probably ask that question a little differently than you did. But um, Go for it. You ask, I'll answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I think the, uh, there are differences between these people and their different backgrounds in terms of how they perhaps run a, an organization. Um, but I would say private equity and venture capital, I would not even put them in the same, again, I'm a venture capital guy, right? But I would not put them in the same bucket. They're very different. Venture, at least the way I practiced venture for 25 years and I learned to do it, was all about you know, building companies. It's not about investing. It's about building companies, building organizations. That's what I learned how to do, hopefully somewhat well, over those many years. That's not necessarily what a private equity person does. Private equity is investing really at later stages. It's more of an investment thing. So a shorter, a shorter timeline and maybe perhaps look to get out after five, yeah. seven years? But more than that, it's a way of running. You learn about a way of running a business. I don't think about you know, the investment all the time. I'm thinking about building the business and the investment sort of just happens as a good investment or not. And I think that's the difference perhaps between, let's say, private equity and, uh, and venture capital. Now, real estate obviously is a very different business. And you know, if it's a family business and it's been owned for many years, that's different. All of these things really get back to, at the end of the day, how do you run your business? Who do you hire what are your business principles? I think those are the things that actually matter. And you can be from any walk, if for whatever reason, for however you obtained those skills, you have a certain way of running a business that is positive, that is successful, then it works. We're talking with Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob. You are the CEO and chief owner of the Warriors, in case people do not know. Is it tough being both? Just You mentioned that earlier about trying to run the team. You know, when I when we got involved in doing this, um, I I knew it would be hard because it was a big turnaround in terms of uh, the business side and the basketball side of the business. I knew that we wanted to build an arena, and I knew that would be something I hadn't done anything like that. Uh, actually, Peter, neither one was really in a big way had done anything like that. Um, so, but what I didn't realize is just how much time it would take and how hard it would be. So it became for me. Um, not just a, an investment, not just a leader, you know, leadership position, but rather more of a daily thing. And for every year I keep telling myself, well, I'm not going to have to work this hard anymore. I've got these great people. That do. But the truth is, you know, I'm so engaged in it. I love it so much. And so the truth is I'm CEO and I'm involved in every aspect of the business every day. That's how companies become successful when you're really engaged. I don't believe, uh, this probably is the most controversial thing I'll say today on this broadcast, I don't believe at all, not even one bit, uh, this idea that owners should not be involved, that they should stay off to the sidelines and that they should let people do their job. Yes, I let people do their job. I don't meddle. That's different. Um, but you, this idea that an owner should not know what's going on in his business, that should not be involved in every day, listening and understanding what's going on in the business on a daily basis, I think is wrong. The only way you become successful something like this is to be all over it every day, the 24-7, 365 thing. 
And I don't care what business it is. Let me say right now, I am hearing echoes of David Stern, of my 20 years dealing with David Stern. Do you know his management philosophy? Have you ever heard him tell it? Uh, of course. <laughs> Micromanagement is drastically underrated. That's what I'm hearing you say. You need to be, you need to hear, you need to touch, you need to know. Well, I would not quite agree with that. I would say, <clears throat> being a, one thing I am not, I try not to be as a micromanager. You hire great people in all their jobs, the best you can possibly find, and you let them do their jobs, and I always do that. Now, there's always someone who has to make the final call, someone who has to make the final decision, and you shouldn't be sloppy about that. You should be understand it, and you should then make those decisions rather quickly. And that's what I try to be. I try to be there to make the final decisions if I'm needed to do that. But most of them, I almost never overturn uh, what has been decided by our group, by our management team, because I know they've done their job. Coming up, more with the owner of the Golden State Warriors, Joe Lacob. Next, Joe talks about the Warriors being more than just a sports team. I Look, I do think that uh, we're a basketball team, but we're also entertainment. And people, I, I, from day one, we have been very, very focused on not only being good, but also being liked and being in something you could engage with and relate to and be watchable. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. Sensory sensitivity, repetitious behavior, lack of eye contact. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. This is the Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio with Scott Soshnick and Michael Barr. Let's wrap up our conversation with Golden State Warriors owner, Joe Lincoln. All right, Joe, you in the previous segment mentioned basketball personnel and trades. That brings me to a big part of your franchise, and that is one Mr. Steph Curry. I was told by another owner, there's two things. When I said, how is your team going to be this year? He said, there's only one way to answer that, and it's one of two things. We're watchable or we're not watchable. The Golden State Warriors, and largely due to Steph, are eminently watchable and entertaining. How important is it to not just have a good basketball team, but to have a superstar that transcends the game? Because I'll tell you, in the New York City playgrounds, I don't see Carmelo Anthony jerseys. I see Steph Curry. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, I, look, I do think that uh, we're a basketball team, but we're also entertainment. And people, I, I, from day one, we have been very, very focused on not only being good, but also being liked and being in something you could engage with and relate to and be, as you said, watchable. We are very fortunate. I didn't do this. I uh, can't take credit for it. Steph Curry was the, o- is the only guy on our team that was there when we bought the team. He was a rookie. We are very fortunate that he was here. We were smart to bet our chips on him going forward, um, and, and we did that and built around him, and we have this incredible, you know, great team right now. But the truth is that that matters. I'll tell you, when I go to a game and I sit with friends or I sit with season ticket holders or I sit with my kids even or my the wife of my, one of my friends or whatever, and they are there and so engaged because they love watching our team. They love who they are as much as how they play. Culture is recognized by others, and we try to have a good culture. A lot of that is Steph Curry. I mean, it's not just Steph Curry, but a lot of it is. 
and he is a fantastic human being, not just a great basketball player. He's got a great family. He is every, he's real. He's everything you see and think he is. That's who he is. That is authentic. People see it. They like him. And that really does help. I think being watchable does matter to answer your question. I'll toot your horn for you so you don't have to, but this is how I know the Warriors are doing something a little bit better. Because there's this big debate in sports about the at-home experience versus the in-arena experience. You know what you don't get at home? You don't get Steph Curry warming up. You don't see the dribbling exhibition. You don't get the half-court shots. You get the start of the game on TV. What you have done is made the in-arena part of it all an experience that people want to see. How do others replicate that? I mean, there's only so many Steph Currys out there, but what's your take on the fight between at-home, in-arena, and technology playing a role in all of it? Well, I do think that more of those things will be streamed over time. Why not? If people want to see them, uh, I think you're going to see that happen. But having said that, uh, I do think that this is why, you know, it's not just... I've, I've got criticism for this. Why I always say, well, it's not just Steph Curry, and I wasn't saying in any way, anything negative about Steph, because he is the central core of our success in many ways. But it's also about what the business people do, what the game ops people do. We're putting on a game, we're putting on an experience, and that may be not just about the game itself, it may be the pregame, it may be the food. Always want to get the food better, food's important. Um, but whatever it is about the game and the experience and how to make that better is very important. We're, this is entertainment. We get that. This is what Peter Gruber brought to our psyche and our organization so, so importantly in the early days. We're not just about the basketball. We're also about the entertainment. And having players and uh, things you can do uh, that people get engaged in prior to the game or whatever is very important as well. One thing about it, too, you talk about the experience and being involved at the game a long time ago was simply, hey, I'm at the game, I got peanuts, and I got a hot dog, and that's about it. And now, like you said today, you're at the arena, you've got, you're wired, you've got the internet, people are following all kinds of games all over the place in the league, and it is now an experience, not just, hey, I'm at the game. Very true, and I think our league does an outstanding job. I think it's very well run at the league level. Um, I think we've got really smart people there that have understand these things. That we're trying to be on top of all the new technologies. We're trying to, re, you know, create a product that <clears throat> doesn't just sit here as it is, but rather grows and becomes more what the fans want and what is capable uh, it, of being, what it is capable of being going forward. So I think the NBA, and you know, you see their unlike football, you see their faces, you see the reactions. It's, you can become very engaged in the NBA in so many ways, and I think we need to continue to do that and to continue to make the product even more engaging in so many different ways, using technology and other things, whatever it is. Uh, it may be something we're not even talking about today, but I, I, I do think that's an important part of the product that we have. We are chatting with Joe Lacob, owner of the Golden State Warriors. And Joe, you chose to build an arena without public money. You have said that the Oakland Raiders should have done the same. The best move would have been for them to control a facility and build it themselves in Oakland. However, there's $750 million in public money available in Las Vegas. Your take on the public, private, or do-it-yourself model. You're doing it yourself, and you're going to have a brand spanking new arena uh, on the water in San Francisco. I would imagine there are ad nauseum chances to monetize that building. Yeah, I, I mean, look... Would we have liked, as business people, would we have liked to have had some public help financing, if you will, like has been achieved throughout the history of 
professional sports or certainly uh, in other places um, were. Yes, it would have been it been it easier to do. We have to work really hard to generate the revenues to support the to, to pay off this arena. Having said that, there's something great about being able to say to look yourself in the mirror and to look at others and say, hey, we're not using monies from taxpayers that should maybe be going to schools or police or fire or whatever services. There's something nice about being able to do that and to self-accomplish uh, this, um, though, though it is, is wearing. It's hard to do. There's a, it's, it's a very expensive to build in, in our area, certainly more than others. But I, I do. I'm proud of the fact that we're doing it. And I'm proud of the fact that we're going to get it done, and it's going to be great. And maybe it makes you better by doing that. Uh, I could argue that it, it makes us have to work that much harder. So I really I like it. I think in our area is different than maybe some other areas of the country. Some places want to have a sports team. Maybe they should, as a community, think that there are benefits to having that sports team and help pay for an arena or a stadium. And I think that's a good thing, uh, potentially for both parties. But in our case, I, I don't think it was going to work anyway, and so we embrace uh, the task that we had to do if we wanted to make this bigger and better uh, for everyone, and, and we do what we do. Speaking of getting better, you got better when you edited Kevin Durant, and I was amazed when not only Kevin but Andre Iguodala, one of the reasons Andre signed with the Warriors was to be closer to Silicon Valley because he has outside interest and he wanted to become an investor as well and work with you. Is there a different mindset with athletes these days? I mean, you didn't hear that so long ago that the the chance to work in venture capital is the reason I'm signing with a particular team. It's a new model these days. Yeah, it is somewhat different. Um, Andre is a very smart guy, and he recognized that from day one, that this was a reason to go to Golden State, to go to the Bay Area, that this was something in this community that could benefit him outside of basketball in the long run. And he's making tremendous progress with it and has gotten... I think there are other members of our team that are doing the same. Kevin Durant, also very focused on doing this. And I think they recognize this opportunity. Silicon Valley is a rather amazing place. And there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of uh, potential for investing and, and doing good and making money in, in the technology world if you're around here. And it might not be that case somewhere else. So I think he recognizes that. I think it's a reason, potentially, for someone to want to be here. I also want to be at an organization where they can win. I don't, don't, let's not sell that short. And we try to sell that opportunity, obviously, as well. Joe, what is the prospect of your coach actually making it back on the sideline? For those who don't know, Steve Kerr had back surgery years ago and some problems with there. He's just stricken with nausea, and right now he's off the bench. What's the prospect for Steve, one of the good guys in the NBA? Well, Steve is one of the greatest people ever. Um, he is he's an amazing guy. He's incredibly smart. He's brought incredible success to us. And... Uh, it's very unfortunate what's happening here. He had a, a back surgery, relatively common procedure, almost two years ago now, and had a what is really a relatively uncommon thing happen, which is uh, uh, the dura around the spinal cord got nicked, and you wind up getting a uh, spinal cord leak and ultimately headaches and other symptoms, bad headaches, migraines. Unfortunately, they, they usually patch that with a blood patch, and it's over, either in a week or a month or whatever. And in his case, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to solve that problem. Hopefully it was solved yesterday, had another procedure. But uh, it's gone on for nearly two years. Very unusual, I believe. Uh, I have a medical background, so I know a little bit about this. I mean, I've never really heard of many people having this problem for this long. And we feel really bad for him. The players, everybody understands it. We just have to be in his, in his court here and uh, support whatever it takes for him to 
get back, and I'm sure they will eventually solve it, hopefully sooner rather than later, and hopefully we'll have them on the court coaching uh, sooner rather than later. Hey, Joe, I always hear pro franchises speak of themselves as civic trusts. So, yes, I own the team, but it really belongs to the people. How do you engage the team with the community in, in a way that you really are cemented as part of that population where they really do feel as if it is a civic trust and not just lip service paid to that? Well, I think that's a really good question. And we, again, from day one, you know, having been a sports fan for all my life and watched and planned and thought about how we would do this if we ever owned a team, it was my goal forever. One of the things you, you hear when, all the time is, well, it's civic trust. And when you buy it and spend all that money, of course, you sit there and say, hey, oh, hell no. <laughs> we own this, right? We spent a lot of money. But the truth is, we're only going to be here so much time as people. And hopefully and likely, the team is going to be here beyond us. So the truth is, there's a lot of truth to what you said. And so it's important for us to be very engaged in the community. Joe, thank you very much for taking the time. We do appreciate it. That was Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lankup. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. We're here each and every week at the same time exploring the world of money and sports. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soschnick. Thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with Wick Grosbeck, the owner of the Boston Celtics. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.